Our leader will share now for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Jerry. Hi, I'm Jerry and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Jerry. I um, am filling in because somebody else couldn't speak, so I have nothing prepared. And um, what else? I'm also not a century person. Um, my top weight is about 50 pounds heavier than this, and um, my bottom weight is about 10 pounds less than this. So that's my whole range. I'm going to try and talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I want to enter into this that my food has been a little bit messy lately. It's a little bit of a struggle, and it's a lot louder in my head than it had been for a while. I think that food is a tough adversary, and it isn't a straight line for me. That's is just my story, and if anything isn't, you know, helpful, cast it aside. Um, okay, I was thinking about this because I um, am writing some, and I was listening to somebody talking about journals that they found that they unearthed when they were a kid and all the interesting things that they wanted in their lives and their dreams and stuff like that. And my journals from when I was a kid all are about food. They're all about tomorrow I'm going to start eating like this. And then I write the whole thing out about what I think a real healthy 17 magazine girl is going to eat. And, you know, I have this plan of exercise and eating. And I never get very much further past that. Every journal entry goes back to the same thing, the exercise plan. Sometimes I drew little stick figures of the exercises I was going to do. I was kind of into that. And, um, and the discussion of how t that tomorrow I would, I would start eating the way that I thought I was supposed to eat, the way that I thought that pre pretty girls ate. And um, I wasn't a heavy kid. I was an active kid. I did a lot of things. I was uh, into gymnastics and ballet and um, tennis and cheerleading and all the good fun things. But my obsession with what I was eating is on the page. Just It's undeniable. It's right there. I'm, I just can read it any time I open any of those little books I used to keep for a couple of days and then toss aside. And that seems remarkably sad. There were no dreams of a giant future and what I was going to do in life and if I was going to jump out of airplanes. There's none of that. It was just that I was going to try and manage food differently. And I didn't manage to manage food differently. Um, I was always a weird eater. I was obsessed with certain foods, and I had rituals of food, sugar, salt, sugar, salt, me and I Love Lucy in the afternoon, and the television in Gilligan's Island and McHale's Navy. And um, I, uh, I, I remember uh, at 16, and I, if you've heard me speak before, I'm sure I've said this before, I remember my parents were away, they traveled a lot, and they had made Hamburger Helper, which wasn't allowed because we had a kosher home on top of it all, so Hamburger Helper was trafe, and I had to make it in like a glass, it was weird. But um, I realized because nobody was home,
that I could keep eating that hamburger helper, like the noodles and the hamburger and the starch and the sauce. And it was like, there's sugar in that. Like, it's just a whole complete clusterfuck of food in one bowl. And I remember realizing, like, that I could just keep eating that, that I didn't have to have a bowl or two and go out of the kitchen. I could just keep going back to it. Nobody was going to notice And I did, and I made myself pretty sick. I just hurt myself with food. I had a lot of foods, a lot of food rituals that were weird. I ate a lot of things that were really strange. I don't know if it helps to talk about them or not. I ate cheese with a carrot slicer, carrot grater. That's weird. Like, (laughs) I don't know what I thought I was doing. I just had a lot of really, you know, if this much Nestle's Quick made the milk good, that much Nestle's Quick and two tablespoons of milk would be really good. I just had problems with food right away. Um, I went to college and drank my way through college. That was popcorn and vodka was my college diet plan, and that is a very effective diet plan. (laughs) And that went pretty well for a while. And um, and then I... uh, you know, started a family and realized that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a mom that drank at all. So I, I just didn't, that was an easy choice for me. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big problem. I just stopped. I just didn't want that. And so, um, but the food continued to be incredibly loud. It just was a really loud problem in my life. I was either starving, and I did a lot of restrictive dieting. Um, I managed to lose that 60 pounds four or five different times and gain it back faster, more, better, more efficiently (laughs) every time, you know, and I knew I would. I remember, you know, the people that would say, oh my God, look, you've lost all this weight. I'm like, yeah, it won't last. And they would be like, no, you've got it this time. Like, I just know it, I know it won't. One day I will not be able to do this. And um, I had a year where I ate Brussels sprouts steamed all the time. I brought them with me everywhere. I mean, I just have, I was fucked up with food even when I wasn't eating it. It was still such an important thing and it was always so loud for me. So I had my yo yo dieting and I. I'm a lucky person because I found exercise that meant a lot to me early on. I started running so I could lose weight. I couldn't keep running after I tried to run a marathon because my knees and feet couldn't tolerate it at all. I loved running, and I loved that it let me eat food. But then I found a dance class over in the Mission I'm happy to share it with anyone who would like to go because it's the happiest and most wonderful thing. And that has been a huge savior for me physically. But the obsession never went away. The obsession, you know, that kind of, I mean, I could gain 60 pounds in class or out of class, it doesn't matter. I gain and lose the weight based on what I'm doing with the food. I hope I'm making some sense because I'm really rambling in my head. But I, um, I knew the monkey, I couldn't get the monkey off my back. I just couldn't do it. I just didn't have any skills to do it. Wait, I couldn't do other imposed diets that other programs provided because I can't do them. 
I, I just, I, I remember one time on Weight Watchers after I had my second piece of bread, I started crying in a restaurant. It's like, you have to be kidding. I just couldn't do it. And I, um, I just knew that I wasn't winning. The battle was getting worse and I was losing. And it was also, it just took up so much space in my life. I, I, you know, and so when my um, youngest son was gonna, going to college and I was, uh, I was already, my, my marriage had already broken up and I knew I was going to be living alone for the first time in my entire life. I came to my first meeting because I just knew that if I was alone in that house and nobody was watching, like when I was 16 and I ate all the hamburger helper, that there was going to be a no limit. And I had, of course, and I've said this before, but it's the truest version. I had images of um, Gilbert Grape's mother, if you ever saw that movie, mm-hmm. where they have to go in and her kids are reinforcing the breaking floor joists because she's going through the floor. And I thought... My kids would do that, but they would tell me because they're not as nice. But um, I, th- I thought, you know, they're going to have to get the jaws of life if it's just me and the refrigerator and we're alone together in this way. And so I started coming to meetings, and my first meeting was that Thursday night. Um, they called it the old lady meeting. They were such nice people. That was really a nice meeting. And um, um, I didn't know if anything would help me, but I was really happy to at least be there. I then broke my foot on my scooter, so I didn't come back for about six months, eight months. And then, um, and then I came back, and I think that was in 2008, and I think I've been here ever since. And I didn't get struck abstinent. I spent a lot of my first meetings planning what I would go get on the way home to eat. And... I just, I realized I couldn't restrict anymore. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't go back. I couldn't figure out how to do it. So um, what happened is I kept coming back to meetings, and I never knew if it was ever going to work for me, but I kept listening. And slowly, and it took some years, um, I slowly it started to ease. I started to work the steps. I um, had a few different, my, the sponsor I had for the first few years, not really, not at the beginning, it took a few years for me to really get a sponsor, but um, she was older and she moved away and I'm not supposed to name her, but it was Isabel. And um, (laughs) she has a lot of nerve moving away. And um, she just told me that she was just gonna love me no matter what. I always thought, like, if I don't eat well, she's going to dump me. And she just, she just said, I'm never going to dump you. And I don't know. I, I lost my mother really early. Not that Isabel's my, my mother's age or anything. But um, she just provided me with something that I desperately needed. And um, I was able to just start trying to figure out how to... I never had a belief in God. The God word really is a hard one for me, and it still is. But how about, you know, I heard someone in a meeting once say, what if, if there was, what if there was a God? What if there was a God? Why wouldn't they care about what you eat? Like, ask the negative question. Somebody else maybe in this room once said, I can certainly figure out what God doesn't want for me. It's not hard to figure out what God doesn't want me to be doing. And um, I thought about those things, and 
I slowly I stopped hurting myself with food. I didn't I don't eat perfectly. I have sometimes when my absence is super clean and great, sometimes when it's less clean and there's more my issue is salty carbs and I managed to like rationalize some salty carbs in my day, which is not helpful for me and makes food louder. But what I did get was that I'm not going to eat till I'm sick and then keep eating. That was what used to happen to me. I would eat and then it, I would feel so full that the only thing I could think of to ease the, the physical feeling of that was to keep eating, mm. to try eating something else. And I always thought this next thing is going to fix it. If that was salty, this sweet thing is going to, I'll be done. I'll feel better. I'll be better. You know, and I heard someone else actually in this room once talk about driving like 35 miles out of your way for a certain thing that you tasted two weeks ago and you have to have it. Like that craziness is not, it's all just too much for me. It's too much for me. And, um, I needed I needed more than I needed a physical fix. I needed an I needed a spiritual break. I just needed to have some faith that you know, I don't know. I'm really rambling. Life is really terrifying. <laughs> Life is more terrifying now than it's ever been, and it's really terrifying. And I need to have this kind of faithful practice. I don't really know that I believe in a sentient God that's going to do anything for me. But I know that the belief in something like that can allow me to face what's going to happen. Because shit is going to happen. And we all have to walk through it. And I want what people who have that belief have. So working the steps every day, like I now have a new 10th step ritual. I wrote it on the notebook in, in uh, what is that called? Impermanent marker, you know, in a, what, a Sharpie. And I wrote the, the, the six things that I have to do to do a 10th step exactly. And then, so in that notebook with that on the cover, I do a 10th step. And I just believe that, that will help. And it does help. You know, I needed instructions because I didn't know how to do it. Now, I wasn't like, you know, I didn't abandon the kids or, you know, forget to feed them often. But, you know, I, uh, I needed instructions on how to manage my emotional life. And without eating, not explain as well. Eating solved that because once I ate something really shitty, that's all it was about. I could feel bad about that for a long time. I didn't have to think of anything else, you know, and so that solved any emotional stuff going on for me because I knew how to feel really, really bad and really filled with shame really well. And this if I can, you know, what to eat, not that complicated, eating it pretty hard. So, you know, practicing the steps, trying to practice living in a way that is uh, cleaner and more direct. And, you know, I was writing these long essays about who's wronged me and how it happened and blah, blah, blah. And that's great for a fourth step, but that's not what a tenth step is, I learned. Like, just write, I resent so-and-so for this. 
yeah, need to write all the millions of reasons why that happened and how it happened and why I'm, blah, 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 blah. you know, and so just write that out and what it affects and then look at your part and say those prayers and I'm amazed that that really clarifies a lot of things for me, you know, and I still have a lot of fears and I don't know what the future holds, but it turns out none of us know what the future holds. That wasn't one of the things we got. And if I can keep the food in its pl- closer to its place so that it's not all about the food all the time, every day, trying to figure out what food will fix it and how bad I feel about the food I ate and that whole, that whole ritual around food, then I can like take a deep breath and see what's in front of me and maybe enjoy something or be present for something or, or work out a, an issue that I haven't been able to work out before because everything else has been so loud. You know, and um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm doing this big book study with a couple of people who are very big book knowledgeable. And, um, you know, they're a little crazy in that book. But um, I think that I think that there's a lot of wisdom in there, and that there's a there's a plan for how to live an upstanding and clean, I guess, a clean life where you own what you do and you, you know, me for me learning, you know, I I went to Al-Anon a few times. I'm not going to bring in another program, but learning what's on my side of the street and what's not on my side of the street, especially like as a seriously practicing mom for a long time, you have no idea what's your side of the street. Everything is your side of the street for a long time. And so for me to like figure out what I can fix and what I can't fix and what is not, it's somebody else's path. It's not my choice. It's not my endeavor. It's not on me. I just didn't have any idea. I thought everything was on me. And I thought that everybody's opinion of me was so important and you know I you know of course I realized you know everybody's not thinking about me all that often but really taking to heart that it's not my business what everybody thinks about me it's not my it's not my job to manipulate that it's actually not kind to try and manipulate that like that was really a revelation for me. Uh, I just didn't know these principles before I came in here. I, I knew to try and be honest and, you know, not steal. But um, I really didn't know that, like, allowing other people to make their own mistakes, it wasn't my job to try and choreograph, as they say, be the director. And these are lessons I really needed. I've had a lot of ups and downs with food. I have um, been super enamored and and equally irritated with the program. Um, I've had, but the the time the times when food is really really quiet are an enormous gift. I love that, and the fear of it is just so much lower. Like, I might eat something that's wrong, but I'm not going to eat it till I'm sick. I'm not going to eat all of it. I'm not going to eat and then try and find the next thing. I'm going to eat a little of it, and then I'm going to go 
that's not a good idea. And it'll be louder the next day, and maybe I'll eat it again. I mean, I need to pray for willingness around the food every day. And as Isabel used to say, I'm not supposed to use her name, you know, she prayed for the willingness to be willing. You know, even that is a, is a, is a step in the right direction. And I actually met this weird rabbi who was saying that when you pray, you're not saying words that God wants to hear. You're saying words that you need to say, you know. And so, like, the act of doing that is the gift to me. It's not whether there's something there listening, because I'm not nuts. But, you know, I want to I wanna have that, that process gives me, softens my heart to it, or something like that. So I'm super grateful to be in these rooms, and I hope that something I said had some, offered something. And uh, that's, that's all I got.